0: heavenly father we want to thank you that through the preaching of the apostles we can come into fellowship with you help me now to faithfully preach your word that we may be sure of our salvation and live changed lives to your glory in jesus name amen there are a few things that we crave more in life than deep relationships whether a friend who just knows how you tick or a family member who will love you despite your flaws, or that special someone, uh, your spouse. Uh, But in the age of social media, we find ourselves increasingly in superficial and shallow relationships. We might have hundreds or even thousands of Facebook friends. We might receive hundreds of WhatsApp messages every day. Uh, But a recent study found that most of us have no more than four real friends that we can count on in a crisis. Now this desire for deep, secure relationships is no accident. Uh, We are made in God's image for relationship with Him and relationship with each other. Uh, Yet not only do we often feel detached from one another in this age of social media, but often we feel detached from God too. So how would you describe your relationship with God this morning? Do you know Him in a deep, personal way? Are you sure of his love and acceptance? Or is God a little bit more like a Facebook friend? Distant and detached there sometimes? Are you unsure of his love? Now, Today is set aside for us to remember the Apostle John. We're looking at 1 John chapter 1. And John's goal for us this morning is to assure us of our relationship with God and to give us certainty about our future with him. Now, we see that in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 on the screen. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. See, John wants us to be sure that we have eternal life. Uh, now, when he thinks of eternal life, he's not simply thinking in uh, temporal terms, but he's thinking of a deep personal relationship with God. After all, that's what Jesus uh, defined eternal life as in John chapter 17, verse 3, we read this, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The eternal life is not just temporal, but relational. Well, firstly, this morning, we see that the gospel brings fellowship with God and one another. The gospel brings fellowship with with God and one another. Now, John starts this letter in a rather odd way. Uh, There's no greetings, uh, there's no introductions, but just a bold statement that the eternal God has entered our world in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 1, he writes this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. Now we saw on christmas eve that jesus is described as the word isn't it Uh, john chapter one in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god we saw that jesus is the eternal god the creator of the world who entered our world who became flesh and dwelt among us and here again john wants to emphasize that jesus is god incarnate uh, based on his own eyewitness testimony, how he heard him and saw him and looked upon him and touched him, he comes to the conclusion, Jesus is God in human flesh. Uh, it reminds us a bit of doubting Thomas. and do you remember him? He, he said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, unless I place my finger in the marks of the nails, place my hand in his side, I will never believe. He had to see, he had to hear, he had to touch before he would come to any conclusions. And of course Jesus did appear to him and when he heard him and saw him, looked upon him, touched him, remember his conclusion. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. So the message of Christmas is that God took on human flesh and dwelt among us. And this message is based on the eyewitness testimony of the apostles, apostles like John, who heard his teaching, who saw his miracles, who touched his resurrected body with their own hands, who looked on as he ascended into heaven in a cloud of glory. As they saw her touch all these things, they could only come to one conclusion about him. Jesus was God. The word made flesh. Now that truth really matters to us today. See, if Jesus was not fully human, then he cannot die as a substitute for us on the cross. He can only take our place and take our sins and take our punishment if he is one of us. But if Jesus is not also fully God, then that's a problem too. His his death cannot be sufficient to pay for the sins of the whole world. Only a death of infinite value could pay for sins of that scale. But the Bible gives us this hard evidence to assure us that Jesus really was fully God, fully man, God in human flesh. The apostles uh, saw him, heard him, looked upon him, touched him, and through this incarnation, Jesus has made life, eternal life, available to us. Look at verse 2. So said, The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. We see here that eternal life is bound up in a person, in Jesus Christ. He is the word of life. He is the one who makes eternal life available when he enters this world as our saviour. Now, I think often when we think of eternal life, we actually think of going to a place. Going to heaven is usually what we say. But John wants us to understand here that eternal life is not so much about going to live forever in a place. Sure, there is a place called heaven, a place of no more sin and suffering and all that. But he wants us to understand that eternal life is really about knowing God. Heaven is about being with God in perfect relationship with God. It's relational. Now, if we only think of Christianity merely as a means of escaping judgment and getting blessings from God, we've really missed the point, isn't it? We're focusing on the gifts and not the giver of the gifts. But Christianity is all about a relationship with God. And Jesus came into this world that we may have true life, that we may have a perfect relationship with the Father that begins now and will last forever. Another way of putting that is that the goal of the gospel is to bring fellowship with God. The goal of the gospel is to bring fellowship with with God, and that's what he says in verse three. He says, "That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ." Now, fellowship in the Bible doesn't just mean that we go and hang out uh, with one another. Uh, I think uh, we often think like that, isn't it? We we come for we attend the church service. And then afterwards, we go for makan. we go for fellowship. Right? And we mean by fellowship, morning tea and uh, hanging out and uh, conversations with one another. Now, those things are good, but I think they're better described as friendship. Now, you can do them with anyone, uh, whether they're a Christian or not. Now, fellowship is different to friendship. Right? Fellowship is about sharing together in a personal relationship with God our Father and Jesus his Son. Fellowship is that common partnership, that deep bond that we share as being children of the same heavenly Father, of being brothers and sisters together in the family of God. See, fellowship is what happens when we're meeting like this around God's word, not so much what happens afterwards. And only the gospel can bring us into that kind of fellowship with God and one another because it's only through believing in Jesus, the word of life, that we can become God's children, that we can be brothers and sisters together in the same family. And so we might say that fellowship with God is only possible through fellowship with the apostles, apostles like John, as we believe the message that they proclaimed. And so do you long to be closer to God this morning, to be more secure in God's love, to be more certain of your eternal future, to have a deep connection with other Christians as your brothers and sisters? Well, the only way to enjoy that kind of deep relationship with God and with one another, which the Bible calls fellowship, is to understand the truth about Jesus that is revealed in this book here, the Bible. If we want to have intimate fellowship with God and with one another, then we must read this book, we must learn it, we must believe it, we must live it out. And as we do that, this fellowship that we share with God and one another will bring us immense Joy, Paul, uh, John writes in verse 4 there, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John's joy as he sees others come into fellowship with God and one another. Our joy as well as we come into fellowship with God and one another. That's the first point this morning. The gospel brings fellowship with God and one another but John wants us to understand here that fellowship with God is more than simply reading the Bible and believing a message. It's not less than that, but it must be more. Fellowship with God must be evidenced by a changed life. Fellowship with God must be evidenced by a changed life. He goes on in verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, some of you may know that I am a Star Wars fan, and uh, I'm afraid I just can't resist calling our dear brother uh, Darth Vader. I hope he will forgive me this morning. Uh, but in uh, Star Wars, uh, there is the light side of the force, right, which represents uh, goodness and purity. Uh, there's the dark side of the force uh, that represents evil. If you're not really up with the force, you can look it up on Wikipedia. right? Uh, it's a real thing. <laughs> uh, but the Bible uses the same uh, imagery uh, as Star Wars. Uh, here we're told that God is light. And it means that he he radiates purity. He is totally righteous. In him there's no darkness at all. There's not even a trace of evil. And so if we claim to be in fellowship with the God who is light, then of course we must be walking in the light. And just imagine that I, I came to church today without the robes, but I dressed in my Southampton Jersey. Uh, We all know that they are the best English Premier League team, I'm sure. Uh, But here I am, I'm wearing my uh, Southampton jersey, and then I proceed to tell you, God forbid, eh, that I am an avid Manchester United supporter. Uh, I don't suppose that you would believe me, would you? Because what I say and what I'm doing don't match at all, do they? I say, oh, I'm a Manchester United supporter, but here I am in my lovely Southampton jersey. And so John gives us a few tests here of whether we are truly in fellowship with God or it's just words. The first test is this. Are you walking in darkness or light? Are you walking in darkness or light? Verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Do you see what John is saying here? If I claim that I'm in fellowship with God, the God who is light, but I'm living a life of darkness, then my claim to know God, to be a Christian, is in fact a lie. If I really was in fellowship with God... I would live what he said. Now, thankfully, John is not talking here about being perfect. Uh, He says in verse 7, if we walk in the truth, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sins. So he still expects that we're going to sin as Christians. We're not going to be perfect in this world. But he does expect that our journey will be one increasingly into the light where we'll allow God's word to shine on our lives and we will strive to live it out more and more. So John isn't talking about perfection, but he is warning us here. If there's no noticeable difference between our life and that of a non-Christian, then there's a real problem. If there's no grace in my speech, if I never offer forgiveness to other people, if I'm living in open sexual immorality with no desire to change, if I spread gossip, I speed, I get drunk, if I photocopy my textbooks, I watch pirated movies, and if none of these things particularly bother me, I'm not actively putting them to death at all, then John wants us to be very clear here. Our claim to be in fellowship with God is, in fact, a lie. So being a Christian and having eternal life is not just about what you say, And it's not just about attending a church service on a Sunday. Whether we are walking in the light or we are in fact walking in the darkness will be evident by our life. Jesus said a tree will be known by its fruit. And so not everyone who attends a church is in fact a true believer. And no matter how many years they may have been attending the church, we must, in, in fact, examine our hearts and ask, am I truly walking in the light? Am I walking, practicing the truth? Now, if we are, we're given some wonderful promises here. Our fellowship and forgiveness. It says in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sins. So if we are walking in the light, it means that we will enjoy not only deep fellowship with God, but deep fellowship with one another. But we will see uh, our fellow Christians as, as brothers and sisters. And we will love them, and we will serve them, and we will treasure them as if they were our own family. And if we walk in the light, we will receive forgiveness from God the blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all our sins. We can be sure in our relationship with God that all our failures are forgiven, that all our sins have been washed away, that we are pure in God's sight and we're loved by him. We don't need to fear punishment when Jesus comes back. We have eternal life. We need not feel guilt, for Jesus has dealt with it all. That's the first test. Are you walking in darkness or in light? The second test is similar. It's in verse 8 to 10. Do you deny your sins or confess them? Do you deny your sins or confess them? Verse 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so if I'm willing to confess my sins to God and to to one another, uh, then that's a wonderful thing. If I'm not willing to confess my sins, then I am in fact lying to myself, and I'm making God a liar too. If I won't confess my sins, I'm self-deceived, Because if I truly knew the God who was light, then I'd know how much I fall short. And we declare God a liar, because God's word says that we all sin. So the genuine Christian will openly acknowledge their sins. They will not be self-righteous. They will not adopt a position of moral superiority over other Christians. The genuine Christian will cast themselves on Jesus' mercy They will recognize their own deep need for forgiveness from God. The genuine Christian will confess their sins and turn away from them so that they may walk in the light. And God's promise is, once again, if we will confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why Jesus came, isn't it? To, To bear our sins, to take our punishment. To bring us into fellowship with God, we can be assured. So what should I do this morning if I think, actually, I failed the test? What I would say is, do not let your pride blind you that there's no problem here. What you should do is humble yourself before God, confess your sins to him, look to the cross ask for God's forgiveness, turn from those sins, walk in the light. God's promise here is, if we would do that, he will forgive us. We will have true fellowship with him and with one another. And that gospel will transform our life. Well, I asked at the beginning, do you have a deep personal relationship with God? Are you certain of his acceptance? Are you sure that you will receive eternal life? Because John's goal this morning is to give us uh, assurance of that kind of relationship with God. And no matter what darkness lies in our heart or in our past, Jesus came to wash it away, to bring us into the light And to bring us into fellowship with him. Now as we head into a new year, I know that many of us here long for renewal in this church. For a fresh start with God and with one another. And if this is going to happen next year, John shows us where it must begin. Humbly sitting under the word of God, acknowledging and confessing our sins to God and to one another seeking God's forgiveness through his Son, and responding to his love by walking in the light. So will we believe in the word of life? Will we walk in the light? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the life and forgiveness that you offer us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to believe the Gospel. Help us to walk in the light, that we may enjoy true fellowship with you and with one another in this year to come, and eternal life in the age to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.